Let us worship God. reading this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, the 60th chapter beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. Amen. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Holy One will arise upon you, and glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and rulers to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. 
Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Bidian and Ephah, all those of Sheba shall come. They shall be, bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi 
from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. My father once told me this story. It was Christmas and 15-year-old Robin Stevens wanted to give her father a gift he would appreciate. Her father, Arthur, was part of a tugboat crew in Hancock, Maine, so she thought a small waterproof flashlight would be useful, and it wound up being her Christmas present to her dad. A few weeks later, Mr. Stevens and the crew of the tugboat Harkness got caught in a storm, 25 miles out to sea. It was very cold, being the dead of winter, and in desperately trying to remove excess water from the boat, the crew wasn't fast enough, and the water froze. The tug began to sink. The captain radioed the nearest Coast Guard station, but they were too far away to do much good. As it happened, Vance Bunker, who lived on an island not too far from where the Harkness was sinking, heard the radio call. He collected a couple of friends, and they set out in his lobster boat toward the last location 
the tug had radioed from before the crew abandoned it. But it was terribly dark in the middle of that stormy ocean, and they knew there wasn't much hope of finding three men in the raging water. Just as Bunker and his friends were about to give up and go home, they saw a thin beam of light shining straight up from the water. Arthur Stevens' little flashlight, that inexpensive, insignificant Christmas gift from his daughter Robin, was frozen to another Harkness crew member's glove. Sailing toward it, Vince Bunker and his friends found the three half-dead men in the water, arms locked together, and pulled them into the boat. It was that tiny light that saved Arthur Stevens and his crewmates. And it was the light of the star which guided the Magi to safety as they made their dangerous journey to find the Christ child. Now, there have been all kinds of theories as to what might have caused that star to burn so brightly. Halley's Comet, a supernova explosion, a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in the Aries constellation. Matthew's creative theological imagination, it doesn't really matter. The Magi saw that light, whatever its origin, and interpreted it as a divine sign that needed to be explored. Now, who were these Magi? Most biblical scholars think they originated in Persia, modern-day Iran, from that ancient city of Babylon. Magi were stargazers, astrologers, fortune tellers who could read omens and interpret dreams. With our English word magic derived from their Greek word of them, magoi. From the perspective of the Hebrew scriptures, however, magi were sorcerer wizards whose activities would have been denounced and prohibited by the Israelites. The Magi had no idea where the star would lead them, what they were looking for, how long it would take, or what would be the end result. They had to follow this extraordinary event since they could read the signs of the times. Scholars estimate that in those days, a major expedition like theirs could have taken over a year to travel 1,000 miles with a huge caravan, many people, having to face robbers, fierce rain, windstorms, hostile tribes, and crossing barren deserts, among other hardships. The Magi abandoned everything, sacrificing their privileged lives, willing to endure anxiety, uncertainty, inconvenience, and ridicule, from those who thought they were crazy to embark on such a foolish, hazardous journey. They moved out of their comfort zone and took a risk. And remember, much of their journey was made without the star's light. In fact, the text suggests they only saw it once at Babylon and then again outside Jerusalem. Even if there were other sightings, the star could only be seen at night. So traveling during the day, they had only the vaguest idea of where they were heading. Most of their pilgrimage 
was made in the dark. The Magi resemble that hobbit, Frodo Baggins, his quest in the Lord Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, carrying that magic one-power ring on a long, perilous journey to be destroyed on Mount Doom in the deadly land of Mordor. He will be opposed by the most powerful evil force in all Middle-earth, the Dark Lord Siren. Frodo wishes the ring had never come to him, but the wise wizard Gandalf replies, while we cannot choose the times we live in, we can choose how to respond to the times we are given. Frodo bravely declares at the Council of the Great, I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. The Magi did not know the way. They had no directions, no map quest, no GPS, no Siri to guide them or tell them to make a left at the next wadi. The Magi wanted to be illuminated by the star's meaning, not its glow. The star's light alone couldn't brighten the entire path, though it brought them to the next step in Jerusalem, where seeking help, they asked Herod, of all people, if he knew any kings in the area, which he immediately recognized as a distinct threat. Ironically, Herod and the chief priests and scribes, those closest to the religious tradition who supposedly knew the scriptures and prophecies about the Messiah, did not see or respond to that starlight, even though Bethlehem is just six miles south of Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the Magi marginalized as blasphemous outsiders when they saw the light prepared and followed it halfway across the continent to the Christ child, becoming the first Gentiles to recognize Jesus's divine identity. They're all our ancestors. They believed in God's continuing revelation, while the religious leaders didn't think God had anything new to reveal. The light of the star led to Jesus, the light of universal salvation for all people in all places, including those previously excluded, a God much bigger and generous than they ever could have imagined. Now, despite his evil intentions, Herod guided them by giving them the light, the insight they needed to complete their pilgrimage. We never know from where needed wisdom or direction will come, even in the midst of adversity. So we remain open to all people, since anyone can be a source of revelation. And that's why this event is known as epiphany, which literally means to shine upon, to appear. So it is the feast of light. Franciscan priest and author Richard Rohr writes, an epiphany is a God experience that transforms everything before you can do anything with it. It does something to you. It cannot be controlled, and it always seems to demand a change in people's minds and lives as we leave the familiar for places unknown. 
seeing something new on the horizon that awakens something new in us. I don't know about you, but I'm not particularly excited about 2024. Though I will say that any year when I'm not being hit by a Mercedes-Benz car while jogging can't be too bad. Meanwhile, we're surrounded by grim news, whether it be an uncertain economy, wars in the Ukraine, and a widening Middle East conflict, climate apocalypse, a new variant of COVID on the way, potential terrorist threats, and interminable, distressing, at times unspeakable election, and bitter political and cultural divisiveness in our nation. We ask, where is God in all this mess? The Magi stand for all who dare to hope that God is still alive and at work in our world, the same place it was before this Christmas. Violent, anxious, unjust, greedy, harsh, arbitrary, cruel, and self-centered, where everything you have can be swept away in a moment, or 25 seconds if you're crossing the street. We're back to our old jobs and familiar routines, and yet we're asked to say yes to following a star by living an alternative way of love whose destination, like the Magi, is ultimately unimaginable joy. Our starlight may be a new relationship, a crisis, a loss, a rediscovered dream, an illness, unemployment, a Mercedes-Benz going through a, green, a red light, an adventure, anything that calls us beyond ourselves to a new place or way of being. The death of astronaut Frank Borman at age 95, two months ago today, coincided with the 55th anniversary of that 1968 Apollo 8 mission, of which he was commander. It was the first mission to fly around the moon, mapping it out so Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin could land on the lunar surface in July 1969 in Apollo 11. The mission is remembered for the famous photograph, Earthrise, taken by astronaut William Anders, and it shows the Earth a shining marble of royal blues and swirling whites with its thin, fragile atmosphere as it rose over the rough, all-gray, lifeless moon. Earth was the only color visible, in fact, the only light in an all-black universe, a tiny oasis, a jewel in a never-ending darkness. The picture captured the world's imagination, with many later suggesting this photo launched the modern environmental movement. The image suggested it was no longer possible to pick out countries or even continents, that one couldn't see any boundaries or borders. One saw how small the planet is, how close all of us are to one another, how the only thing any of us really has in an otherwise empty universe, cosmos, is each other. Or as astronomer Carl Sagan would later write about, 
this photo. It underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly and compassionately with one another and to preserve and cherish that pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Anders later said the astronauts had traveled over a quarter million miles to discover the moon, yet they had rediscovered the Earth seemingly for the first time. It was an epiphany since we saw ourselves and our relationships with each other differently. Epiphany is God's coming out of love to us, revealing Jesus is the somewhere we need to get to, despite all the darkness. Like the Magi who experienced a breakthrough, God shatters our preconceptions and expectations to reveal God in new ways and new people. The Magi returned with their hearts filled with joy, their lives transformed because they had seen the living Jesus. The Magi embraced change even if it meant traveling back a new, unfamiliar route, stepping out again into the unknown. Having been enlightened, they could never return home in the same way they had arrived. Only on this journey, the light wasn't guiding them overhead in a star, but was now emanating from within their own souls. Our call is to live into our unique gifts by taking the light we find at Christmas and becoming Bethlehem stars ourselves, human epiphanies serving as light so others can see God's presence through us and within us. We acquire and share in this divine light when we are baptized, but through the divine light, we see not what we have failed to be, but what through God's grace we can yet become. Just like Robin Stevens' small gift of light helped to rescue her father, and just like that Earthrise photo revolutionized our understanding of our planet and ourselves, the gift of light we're given in Jesus rescues us from surrendering to the gloom and darkness surrounding us. Beloved community, following the Magi, in this new year, are we willing to let God lead us to new epiphanies so we can meet God in new unexpected ways? Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, guide us to your perfect light.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Our 
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in song, in silence, in bread, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Our benediction comes from the work of Christmas, a meditation by Howard Thurman, the mystic and theologian who founded the first major interracial, interdenominational church in the United States here in San Francisco. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, and to make music in the heart. Go forth in the light of the Magi. Dare to hope God is still alive and at work in the world.